0: Hi, right, so hey everybody, this is Scooter, and I'm talking about uh, this season of Get Bassos, uh which every week I started off with uh, trying to uh, <laughs> summarize the plot of two seasons of Get Bessos, and uh, that, that in itself became an interesting kind of learning experience and experiment. And for anyone that's new, I guess it'd be, this would be a good place to, to start uh, before <laughs> before the or after, or even in the middle of listening to how many episodes of the season. Like, I'm recording this now, and the last episode still hasn't aired. The second to last episode came out, but not the last one. Uh, So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, But if if you're new here, or if you've been listening, this is something new I've only done one other time before, which was kind of look back at the story that was just told. Or maybe I'd done it a couple other times, but, uh, it's interesting for me because the podcast consumes so much content and it's constantly moving, uh, that I really don't have the ability to take any time to kind of reflect on the show because I'm already writing what's going to be next and constantly having to produce and, and write stuff, uh, he said, "Well, maybe and maybe it's procrastination too." I said, "Well, let me take a day and kind of write up some of the stuff that worked and didn't work." Uh, but by talking about it, it helps me kind of see. I don't. I don't know. I guess I'm better sometimes at talking about stuff. And I know some people like to hear the story stuff, and other people will be a good thing to sleep to because I'll take my time and and ramble. So. Um, let's see, so, so I, I guess this is, a, I wouldn't say it's self-indulgent, it actually is a necessary thing because I think I've learned some very valuable things from this season. And maybe some questions like can something be too boring were answered and how structured do serial, boring serial, like these serial stories need to be. And how much time needs to be uh, spent outlining them versus telling them. Because what happened was, and this was the first season where I went right into it. I mean, like I said, it's really hard to find any time between my day job and producing the podcast for anything. Uh, you know, and I guess it's just a, this is an aside of outside of the story. Some people only say, well, why don't you take a week or two off? And I think that, uh, I really can't do that because, uh, I mean, I have taken weeks off, but I'm still producing one or two episodes. Uh, just cause it's nice not as easy as just producing three episodes and then they come out into to cut back on production. Like if I was ever to cut back on production for two or three weeks, uh, I would never be able, even if I was working on the podcast as my only job, I don't think I would ever be able to get to three episodes again, uh, just cause it takes an incredible, not only the incredible amount of work, but finding the time for it and, and stuff like that. So it's almost like when the car is working, I'm like really worried about ever, uh, around too much, uh. Because I think it would impede my ability to keep making three episodes a month, which is what I feel, or a week, which I feel is where the podcast is best for people to fall asleep to it and best to where I feel good about what I'm making and challenged. And that there's something, some magical interplay beyond my understanding with the deadlines and the creative aspect of the show. Uh, but those things can also cause creative difficulties, which I think we saw with this season at GetBessos because of the schedule and, and mistakes I would made, which I kind of talk about. Like, uh, I didn't really pre-outline. I, I didn't take any weeks uh, to pre-outline this season at GetBessos to say, okay, like in our few previous series, uh, even all the way back to Superdoll, so I don't know how many series it's been since then. That was in the hundreds. Like I've taken two or three or four weeks not off but off of serial stories and either done uh, something shorter like or like n- not as written like uh with without a like uh i don't know tough to explain, but it, it, where i w- was not writing every day on a story that had to be uh, created later in the week. And so with Get Bestos, I just didn't really have the time. And the other times I'd done it, I kind of felt like I couldn't find a good balance. Like, uh, because there's never a luxury with this podcast of time. Then, then when I had the luxury of time of like four weeks to plot something out, I was wasting that time procrastinating or using it to do other kind of research or talk, you know, talk to listeners on social media or whatever. So with Kev Bezos, I said, okay, let's just try it the other way. Let's just go straight into it. We have some general ideas, and I kind of spent some time uh, getting it out. Uh, but, but other than that, I was like, let's just start telling the story. Let's not take any weeks off from the serial stories and do two to trending Twitter Tuesdays or whatever. Uh, let's go right into it as fast as we can. And they created some big, big difficulties with the show. I mean, obvious, most of the biggest switches that lasted 22 episodes where I usually shoot for 12 to 14. And then sometimes it takes me 16 or 17 to complete the season. But uh, I feel like the seasons are better at that level. I, ideally, like a 12 to 14 episode season. And I also realize if you're new here, you don't really listen to podcasts. This sounds insane. And I just say, well, this is uh, exactly this is the kind of person that makes this kind of podcast. A person, I'm, I'm uh, fully aware of my delusion. Uh, and I, I find it necessary to make this show. I fully embrace my delusional side, I guess. And I play, so I take making this podcast way too seriously for sure. But it's, it's serious business to me. So. My internal, I think that was a visit from my internal critic. But so I, I do like the seasons to be a little bit shorter because I think it forces me just to make them a little bit tighter. And this one was not tight at all. And the other luxury you don't have is that an episode gets written in a week uh, and that's all the time there is. So... And usually I only have a half hour a day max to write, uh, like on the train ride to work and on the train ride from work. And then on Saturday and Sunday mornings, when I wake up, I normally write for a half hour. And it takes all that time just to make, I mean, it's a miracle I can get the episode done. And it's usually pretty, I'm usually pretty freaked out and stuff, uh, though sometimes it comes together so that also anybody that does any kind of creative stuff will be able to relate to this. Like, so I didn't have a a, a really structured out season. And then on top of that, I was really stressed uh, outside of the story about the future of the podcast and stuff. And I was overthinking and over worrying and I let that also invade and affect the writing. So I didn't have the story, stru- the overall story structure to kind of use-, use as a way to reassure me. And then I was already stirred up. And I think this was like one of those good life, like, uh, writing lessons where I said, geez, like, uh, I don't know, like, I've learned a new, I've learned a new, like, usually it's like, oh, I'll just, well, no, I get something else. Like, I used to have a strict rule on a train, right for, like, right for the train ride. As soon as I sit down, I pull my notebook out, I start writing until I get off. And now that, that's been like a muscle memory thing. But this season, I noticed my mind would start to wander. I say, well, let me worry about this or let me worry about that instead of focusing. Uh, sorry, but I get distracted. I think someone's jumping rope in the apartment above me. Uh, but I was talking about being emotionally kind of distracted, or just like having other stuff in your mind and not being focused on the writing. And I guess what's curious about that is—is is a chicken or an egg situation? Because like, was well, it because the story structure wasn't structured enough, or was it because I wasn't focused enough, or was it both things? And I think it was, it was a yes to both. It's like, okay, well, I, I need to be a little more disciplined about my focus because I have enough to... My tools aren't all sharpened, but I have enough to, tools I could use to say, well, geez, let's just work on this or what? let's just try, you know, what are 50 things that could happen here? Let's just write those out. Uh, so that's one part of it. Another part of it is just dealing with my own, you know, stuff and, and not letting that creep into the writing. And then two is like, okay, this story structure wasn't there for this episode, like this series. And, you know, the concept was, like the concept was, so season one was uh, Richard Warren Sears and James Cash Benny are in purgatory. Richard Warren Sears decides he wants to go to Earth and get Jeff Bezos to make him pay for ruining their retail empires. And then that's that's the conceit. And then they go to Earth to try to get Bezos. And it was always going to conclude with uh, uh, him getting Bassos, not, not at the end, but and then realizing, oh, that's now wasn't satisfactory. And then, you know, whatever it, th- that one wasn't super plotted out either. But that was like the first, like or second se- 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 uh series I ever did uh, that was completed. Uh, but I just loved that Richard Warren Sears and James Cash Penny were kind of best friends and kind of different. And I really liked the characters. And then I saw uh, uh, Brad Bird speak and he was kind of talking about Tomorrowland and these, uh, these utopian visions of the future. And how everybody's into dystop- dystopias and why doesn't people. And I just kind of took it. I guess he he was just trying to be, I, I think, and uh, he was pushing people at this uh, talk he was giving, you know, against late, what he felt like it was lazy storytelling. And I took it, I said, okay, I, I said, geez, that's a great, I mean, I, I like being challenged like that, and I said, okay. And then I said, and I had I'd been sitting on James, the, the, the Richard Warren series, and James Cash Penny, and being like, I really want to tell another story with them, but I didn't know what what the story would be since, since the season concluded with them taking over Hell with Jeff Bezos. I was like, what the hell do you do after that? But but then I said, okay, this Utopia. And I said, that could be challenging if, if the, the, so the conceit of this story was that there's a utopia on earth. And I kind of took Brad Bird's thing and I said, oh, what would we do? And I said, well, what could be more boring than a utopia, right? Like, and I said, what if it is a real utopia or a near utopia? So there can't be one of the rules of the story. I said, well, what if one of the rules of the story is it's, you can't screw around with the a utopia. Like, uh. The utopia can't be a false utopia or, or a cultish utopia or a cover-up utopia, you know, or a shiny thing covering, you know, black mass or whatever. Like, it has to be a real utopia. And I said, oh, boy, how do we get a real utopia? I said, okay, this is a, and I said, okay, this is an interesting challenge. And at some point, I don't know if I thought before that or after that, I said, okay, this would fit with Richard Warren Sears and James Cash Penny, two people that are totally unqualified to be in a near utopia. And they said, well, geez, a utopia would be without some con- most conflict. It would be within. And I said, well, that's a nice contrast with hell. And then you can kind of see where the story went. I said, okay, well, that would be if there's a utopia, they wouldn't be sending anybody to hell probably. Be on a kind of Catholic, Judeo-Christian kind of uh, viewpoint is what I'm using, which I had, you know, I was I went to Catholic school. I guess I'm a cultural Catholic, you see, I think that's what they say. So it's kind of a lens I view the world through. And I said, well, that would be interesting, so nobody's going to hell and they said, well, they would need people. You know, you you know, if you have a business, if you can't have a restaurant with no customers, they say, okay, let's get these. You know, we're gonna have to go get some customers. And they said, well, that would take it. You know, if you had Richard Warren Sears and and your utopia, that's gonna cause difficulty. So I said, okay, I think we have something here. I think this is a. I think we can work this. And the whole idea was that they would get to, like, but they didn't. Then I said, okay, I just had a general idea of the plot, but not. And mostly just of the uh, story idea. But I didn't have a total conclusion. I kind of had some vague ideas of how it would conclude. And I said, let's just start. Like, and, and, and that's just the fact of this podcast. And it probably will be no matter how much time I have. You're never going to have enough time to uh, to do stuff perfectly or write it the right way or whatever. Um, and in this case, it's like his podcast will be asleep. So it's like, let's take a little bit of the pressure off. Uh, but so then I started just telling the idea, and I said, "Okay, well, let's get a couple." and I started to figure out, "Okay, well, maybe this is the last." Uh, okay, well, why would it be important if well, if no one was left on Earth, then that would be a pretty important utopia. Like if that was the last vestige of humanity, that would make sense why Hell would need sinners out of there. And then I just started to to, to work in the story, and then I ran into some major problems right away, other than belief systems utopias philosophy you know all that stuff is that uh, when you're trying to do something in a week and then you have a utopia or like this uh, shiny future we'll call it a shiny future scape or whatever you really don't have any time to do any world building if you're going to do any storytelling if you're writing an episode in uh, whatever over Thirty times seven, four hours, and it would be really tough. Even if it, at first I was like, "Well, I could just go on and like look at other people's stuff," and and that's how it started with the Epcot Center. Uh, but even then, I was like, "Okay, this doesn't work. Like, this isn't going to work. I don't have uh, one that's not necessarily my skill set uh, of like my mind doesn't work in a design way in." I said, Geez, if I just I don't have any research time, so if I was to research, to, to to supplement the lack of knowledge and imagination I have in that area, there wouldn't be any time for the story part, and I couldn't just describe stuff for 40 minutes. Uh, even if it would put people to sleep, I wouldn't be able to do it more than one or two weeks in a row without getting burned out. And so that really caused me some panic and some. I felt down for a while because I said, "Man, what am I going to do here?" And it's also kind of like disappointing because you're like, "Man, I have this whole utopia, this ultra modern, beautiful future, and everything." But I said, "Well, the audience will be able to fill that in." And I kind of went to the old filmmaking thing of like low budget movies or shot on contained sets. And I said, "Well, that's what I'm going to have to do. That's going to have to be the solution to the season." Is we will see very little of this utopia, just like if you're shooting a movie on a budget. I said, "I'm going to have to keep these in rooms, and maybe we'll get a couple flashes of the utopia, but the audience's imagination will have to provide the utopia for, for the you know the people that are awake, I guess. But but you know like." Uh, I don't know, I guess it gets a little embarrassing, but I put this much thought into this. But we'll just have to do it on contained sets, like in a quarantine, outside the walls in a field, uh, in a water treatment plant. Even that, when I said that, I said that was almost a little bit overambitious because I had to look through all these different pictures of water treatment plants. And then most of the rest of the season took place in a courthouse and then at a park. And then that was a whole other layer of, of trouble we ran into, I think. But also that was like also like where I was like, uh, I don't know. I, I I said, OK, well, there's some cool stuff about this and this makes sense. The, the, the small sets will help us like is Richard Warren seriously just wants like for a little while I thought it was going to be a little bit like uh I thought it would be more the the, the play part would sink in and that we would go with the play but again with the budget in this case a time budget I said just hey, I don't know if we have time to do a play and that felt like a little bit too like, gratuitous I guess like uh and then the courtroom scenes kind of ended up being that way. Anyway, I, I felt, not that I feel totally crushed or disappointed by this at all, but I do feel like we had two or three episodes of spinning our wheels. And one thing was I felt I started to fall behind. I'm just been so overwhelmed that in in an ideal situation, this will jump to a broader picture here for a minute, is that, uh, you know, every single week I would record one, three podcast episodes a week, right? Uh. And in a perfect world, I would have like a two-week buffer. So every Tuesday, if if, if this is a this is isn't how a podcast gets done, but that every Tuesday night I would record an episode for two Tuesdays later. So that if some reason something happened, there'd still be two Tuesdays, and then the Tuesday, and the same for the Thursday, and the same for the Sunday. But the reality is I have a full-time job, and then, like, some weeks I'm just not going to be able to record two episodes. So some weeks I try to record four episodes or three and a half episodes, and some weeks, you know, I can only record two. I don't think I've ever fallen much behind two because uh, that would just be it would be a problem. And so those Tuesday episodes and the Sunday episodes, when it's not in Game of Thrones season, when I'm watching something that's on Netflix, I can get ahead because I can watch it. But, like, once Game of Thrones comes in, I'm watching that. When it comes out, I don't have early access. So, it's like, uh, it just adds this extra time crunch. And then with having to write an episode every week, if you like there had been weeks where I fell behind. So, I was literally writing, you know, under the gun, recording for the week before. And I was able to kind of use the, uh, tropiness of the courtroom scenes to make up an extra week, uh, Like, I was able to write two episodes in one week because I said, okay, I can do a lot of filibustering. But it's not as gratifying, you know. I say, okay, well. And I think that, so So I guess with this next series I'm going to do, which I'm not ready to disclose yet, I am going to take, like, I've been working very hard behind the scenes and, like, every spare moment I've, like, uh, I have two episodes of a three-episode mini-season of something that'll come out after this episode. And then I think I'll have one repeat that'll kind of set up a theme um, for for our next series. So that'll give me four weeks, uh, of which I'll be on vacation with family and stuff. But uh, to kind of start plotting out uh, this next season, which I've already kind of started to do, and ideally, it'll be a uh, like a 14-episode story or 12 episodes. I think probably 4, eight, twelve. 12. Yeah, probably like 14 episodes. So we get done after Halloween, like right around uh, Thanksgiving-ish. It would, it would be ideal. And one thing I noticed about this season was... Uh, like, I mean, as our audience has grown, you know, more we get more feedback and more people were having trouble getting into Bessos. And I think the length of the number of episodes uh, was one part of it. And, and the fact that people said, well, geez, I don't know if I could catch up now. It's like I gave a recap at the beginning of every episode, which in itself became like this funny story kind of thing and a little bit ridiculous and probably sleep inducing. But I said, okay, well you, you gotta keep it to twelve or fourteen episodes and then I said, Well, maybe we'll do a procedural or and this won't so the next season series won't be just a procedural. It'll be it'll have a story arc for the season. Uh but each episode will also be a procedural but but not exactly a procedural, but it'll be self contained too. Uh, which you say, which one is it, Scoops? So I say, well, both. Like, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going for both. I think it'll, I mean, it's a sleep podcast, one. Uh, But I think, like, what was that? NYPD Blue, I think that was a procedural. So procedural, just for everybody that doesn't know, is it. like a show like uh, Law and Order or Agatha Christie book or something that says, okay, this is what happened in the beginning. Or like those shows, or like uh, Jonathan Mann's podcast, The Song and Outs. So I think that has an overarching thing, too. Uh, but it's based on, what was that, time warping stuff, you know, where you, oh, here's the problem, let's fix it by the end of the episode. And that, uh, the show is the, I guess that's what the procedural is. Let's proceed to, to <laughs> what is our procedure of fixing this, whether it's ER or Chicago, uh, Chicago Fire or whatever. Um, and I think that'll, I don't know. So we'll see with this next year, season. And again, there's no guarantees I'm still breaking at the very beginning stages. So it could be something that I'm like, oh, this just isn't going to work. And then I'll be totally panicked. And this will be something new. And just to give people an idea, like, well, well, where do the new ideas come from? So this is the second new idea. So so I wait for them to come to me. And that's not a joke. Uh, I mean, I'm always like thinking about stuff and then saying, well, geez, oh, there's a story idea. What do you think about that? Would there be, is that a germ for a trending Twitter Tuesday or just go in the notebook for one day? Maybe not a podcast story. Or is it? And I, the whole procedural idea has appealed to me, just because I'm like I'm not very good at it. Like, it's like this one is not a mystery one, but uh, that that was like the first idea. I said, well, just this could be a mystery. Could it be? A, could we do a detective one? And then I started, and I still wasn't feeling it. it was it wasn't a? It was a different. It would be a different kind of detective story. And he said, well, I don't know if that's my, that's not really in my wheelhouse, one. And that's not like a self-esteem thing. It's just not a, I don't have a mystery. I mean, my mind is mystery. And, you know, it's mysterious. My thoughts are mysterious. But the tautness of making a mystery and solving mysteries is just not my game. But I still had this concept. And I said, okay, let me put that on the back burner. Maybe that's going to be our next season. Because it did have a character and I said, Okay, maybe. But I still wasn't like, oh boy, I gotta tell this story. And then something a couple things happened, and and, and I said, uh they're just things I was curious about, and and then a couple ideas just collided in my mind. This was but not related to this last one. And I said, Could we do that as a story? And I said, What about a story like that? And I said, Oh, okay. And I said, and I still actually, I still haven't researched to make sure that it hasn't been done. That's the other thing. I mean, I pitched a couple people on it and they seemed to like it. So, but, but, uh, and they didn't say, oh, that's exactly like this. And so so they didn't say that because, like, uh, so I don't know. I still have to Google to make sure that it's not like, oh, wait, that was a movie. And I said, oh, shoot. Uh, So I still have to vet the idea. But but, I mean, at at this point, I would be totally crushed uh, because it's like I'm juiced and now I'm like, okay. And so so this one, we have kind of a a couple of characters and whatever. Uh, So that's that. Let's see what else. I got some notes here. Contain sets, courtroom drama. Yeah, the courtroom drama was fun, and I really liked People vs. O.J., and uh, you know, some some person over there was very very nice. A podcast, and it was really inspiring to me. So I said, "Oh boy!" Like uh, once they realized it was, I said, we, "We could do one courthouse episode." But then I kind of got hooked on it because it's, uh, and so then I said, "Oh wait a second. In the end, I think we spent we milked that a little bit too much, uh, lost a lot of what does that say, Listerine. You know what that is. No time for contained sets, loose overall story structure, too many episodes, stuff for new listeners. Oh, not enough relationships, not enough conflicts, and narrative voice. those are things we could talk about. So let's just talk about the relationships. Yeah, I don't I feel like some of the relationship things I wanted to key on in this series. One was that Jeff Bissos had a son in Bassos and that Jif was more attached to Bissos. Uh, like, he had been there and had an affair, a lo- loving relationship with a woman, like, uh, years ago, and they had a son together, but he was moving back and forth between hell, and that that was somehow, you know, morally or ethically strange. I wouldn't say good or bad, uh, but that he had given birth to his son, and that him and James had been secretly funneling knowledge into this uh this uh last outpost of humanity since its inception to kind of give them technology and stuff for them to flourish you know all they got kind of moved away from and I, but i think that the relationship with jiff was a missed opportunity with him and his son and the loving aspect and maybe some conflict could have been there and then I thought, again that Richard Warren Sears and Mary Lou would uh, that that didn't work out. But these love stories never do. If I could tell you how many series series I've start, I said, "Well, this one's going to have a B story with a love story." And I say, "Well, she guess, <laughs> what? Can I say this is not my cup of?" I, I, I'm interested in it, but I can't get it to happen. You know what I'm saying? You know, I just can't find the time to make it work. Uh, really, but it was so. But I, I feel like James, you know, James and Richards, uh, even their relationship didn't get quite enough time. Like, uh, I don't know. This season was really. I think it really reflected my psychic state or whatever my emotional state is. It was a little mushy, uh, uh, to be honest, because, uh, I mean, one of the key points is their friendship, which there was some conflict and a lot of the dialogue flowed. I mean, that's one of the problems with, uh, second seasons, uh. Is that the dialogue is a lot easier for me, so then it becomes a crutch. But I don't know. Last of the season, I really was so so happy with season two of uh, After the Glass Slipper, and maybe that's just because Agatha has such a strong voice, and she was dominant and, dominant, and she was the only recurring character. But uh, I don't know. So it was so the relationships between James and Richard, between Jiff and his son. And then I guess that that wasn't planning, but between Skiffy and Megaria, uh that didn't work. I mean, I really was happy with the angel, the interplay between the angels and the humans. I mean, I don't feel like it it was uh, it worked so much in, in, outside of a sleep podcast. But it's something that I find incredibly curious, curi- What do you? It provokes my curiosity. Is the idea of angels? In human affairs and angels versus Greek gods and Roman gods, and uh are angels infallible, or do they have free will and then the idea that was also a soother for for listeners was uh, okay that if if it's a Roman if this was a Roman Catholic story, which it wasn't is was beyond that to me, or it was kind of a farce of all that like or maybe not a farce I don't want to use that word but uh I mean, the story was farcical, but that was my fault, you know, as a storyteller. Uh, but it was kind of beyond a, one uh, belief system, I'd say. But the idea in the Roman Catholic, uh, uh, cult, where I come from culturally, is that that, that that God was on sabbatical. It just kind of feel like people would, I mean, you wouldn't, if, if the bishop was, they'd be like, wait a second, uh, you know, I would probably get excommunicated if I was still going. But just the idea of, like, okay, what would happen if the uh, highest power was on sabbatical? What would the angels do? And then are they free will? Like, do they have a choice? Are we the only planet in town? Like, what would they do with all this, uh, uh, you know? And who, who, who are they more worried about? Like, if they're not perfect too... So I, really, I don't know, but the angels, I just found it I just find it endlessly, it just triggers my curiosity. So just thinking about, well, what would they do in this situation? Like uh, Richard Warren Sears is an interesting character. So it's like, well, how would they deal with Richard Warren Sears? You know, what would the angels do? Or what do the angels think of James, James Cash Penny? And then I'm not sure at what point I realized how the story was going to end. But then I said, oh boy, okay, that's great. Like, uh what are the angels going to do now? Like now that the story's ended, I, I like ending the story where there's still, it's still, I mean, it, it doesn't go on, but, uh, it keeps me and Not that. It, and I don't think there would be a, a sequel just at this point, but it's like, what are the angels going to do now? Now they're stuck on earth and where the ending feels right to me that, uh, heaven, I mean, heaven's been de-existed. uh, in 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 a way i mean the or the angel it's been de existed in our universe in our plane of existence so the angels can never return there it's gone hell's gone and they can kind of just fit with the theme of besos which was this near utopia because people chose to make it that way they chose to support each other uh, because everyone else supported everyone else and that's how the society functioned uh, which is a very simplistic version of utopia utopian. It wouldn't stand up to hardcore analysis. And it wasn't, I mean, everything I do is influenced by who I am. Uh, so I'm not going to say I don't have thoughts about all this stuff, but, but it, it's really just that it's a transparency. Like I'm not a, is, is an adept storyteller when you're trying to write something in a week. Uh, you know, you're cloaking your beliefs, but but but, but there's still, dry, you know, there's only so much nuance you can do, I guess. But also it's like, just like, uh, I think someone said, you know, this kind of stuff, like, I'm not a deep philosopher. I'm not. So it, it's just a reflection of what I th- think and what makes me curious. I mean, I think that's the most important thing is it makes me say, hmm. But I definitely feel like the lack of spending time on the relationships also reflected that, that there wasn't quite enough conflict. And I guess maybe I was just overwhelmed. And and then again, not having it plotted out enough. I think when I come down to it, and when people say second act problems, like, uh, I mean, this story, I don't even think I had the third act figured out, but uh, it definitely didn't have. Uh, I said, okay, they're going to go to Bessos and try to get centers, and I'll figure the rest out. And then they'll, you know. It'll all go to, it'll all go to, you know, it'll all get screwed up. Uh, and I didn't want to ruin. I mean, I had struggle with like, should I ruin the utopia or not? Should Richard Warren Sears ruin the utopia? And I was like, I don't know. They can't be cheating. Uh, and I mean, now who knows what's happening there? They're all on their own now. but They don't even have me. Um, so, I mean, I guess like when I think about the stories, I mean, I like to tell overall, it has to have characters I love or, and I mean that in a, not in a sense of like, uh, I love, how, I, I love them in a relational way. I love spending time with them and they interest me, you know, just like I was at a party with them. Not that I love that they're so great or anything And Jiff. Richard Warren Sears and James Cash Benny, I have a great affinity for those characters and they interest me. And then the story did have an overall idea that interests me. There, is there, if the last vestige of humanity on Earth that's not just surviving, that's flourishing as a utopia, what does this mean for this belief system I was raised in? Or that as a child, like my childhood. Uh, that my brain process because it's probably not what they were teaching, but what I believed as a kid, which was if you do something bad, you're going to hell. Like, uh what would that mean if there's a utopia? Like, I'm sure I probably asked that in a class and I got you know in trouble. And I said, "Well, you're going there now." I said, "Well, I already knew that. Thank you, uh, teach." But like, what would that mean if if you're if you're running at full like uh, humanity? I don't know, just those are the kind of things that make me curious. And I say, Well, what the hell is hell gonna do? I mean, it just interests me to say, okay, there's no devil in these stories. Uh but they say, well, What would they say, okay, nobody's coming down here, we better go get some recruits, you know. And I think that's you know, that that's uh probably what they would do. But in this one's a little more delicate because this is it. This is the last vestige of humanity here. And just the idea of, like, yeah, these two best friends that are, you know, James Cashpenny and Richard Warren Sears is a buffoon, you know, they're going to go, and they'll probably have different views of uh, how they're going to deal with this, uh, getting sinners out of a utopia. And, of course, James Cashpenny doesn't really want to do that. He wants to keep this utopia safe because he wants to protect humanity. Uh, But at the same time, he's a problem solver and he doesn't want his friends in hell to suffer. So he's going to try to figure out a way uh, to resolve the conflict. And uh, I just don't think, I I guess, like, so it's like there was some pieces there. So I don't feel like this was a disastrous season or anything like that. I think it's just gave me a lot to learn. And, you know, I was happy with the end, but I, I guess like, uh, I don't think as we get distance from it, I'll have it like when I think about season two of uh, After the Glass Slipper, I say, wow, I was really proud of that. Like I said, well, this was okay for a sleep podcast. Uh, And I was proud I tried out some of these ideas. And then I guess when we get into like, uh, like the last thing is a narrative voice. Right. And that's kind of something that's very important to me and that I'm very curious about. And that's like one of the huge advantages of this podcast is not only be able to try out these ideas and not have it be the end of the world when they don't work out, but that he would have this huge leeway when it comes to narrative voice. I'm not even sure if that's the right word I'm using, but uh, like the voice of the narrator uh, or who narrates it or the narration style, it's very important to the podcast. It's also very important to the sustainability of the podcast because without uh A variety in in learning, I can't. I couldn't possibly keep making. You know, there's no way I could keep up the uh, the pace of the work. Uh, Like when people say, "Oh, well, why can't you just read from a book?" And I say this, uh, but I I like to remind people, it's like, geez, well, there's no way I could do three episodes. Like, even reading from a book to record or or just ramble and talk like this for two or three weeks in a row, it's possible. But after that, it wouldn't. You know. For fifty the other fifty one weeks it wouldn't happen. But so narrative voice, this kind of narrator for this story, I don't know where she came from. Uh but she definitely was an unexpected narrator. I was very happy with her, her 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 role. And, you know, that she kind of became her own character and kind of made her started making her own choices right away, not, a lot of which I wasn't happy with, which is good. I mean, if anything I like a character you know, to create, I guess, like maybe, and she was reacting to the lack of uh, conflict in the story, but she was creating conflict with her, at least her kickoff narration, which was nice. She would create the conflict and problems at the head of it, and then once the story started, she was mostly staying out of the way. And I'm just always curious, uh, like, the, the, uh, like that's not something I plan out. It's something I think about, and sometimes or I say, oh, boy, I didn't think about it. So, like, uh, Roberta Claus uh, had this stronger, more neutral narrator is what I remember. I don't even know if that's true or not. Uh, then Lady Witchbeard had Germ doing the narration, which was a character in the story. And then um before that, Agatha did the narration. She was in the story. And then Gep Esos, the first season, was like a, a third-party narrator, a neutral narrator for the most part. And believe it or not, for Roberta Kloss, originally I'd wanted to do like an NPR-style narration, like a collection of story bits, but it just wasn't possible with the time we had. Um Writing-wise and editing-wise and just planning out voices and stuff like that, just not uh, to make sure we got enough time just wasn't going to happen. But yeah, so this next story will have a different style of narrative of voice, I think, and I don't know if it'll work. Like the other thing is like another uh, benefit of this show is that I can change it a little bit or tweak it, which I think is what happened in this season. But I think it's just such a, I mean, I just feel so lucky as a storyteller to be able to have this kind of freedom And to be able to be learning all this stuff and just be like, man, I can make it like, uh, I do honestly feel like, and I guess that's the argument I presented tonight is that, uh, we may have this, we found uh, like a place and, and we found in other places too interesting or too boring, but the middle of this season of the, like, uh, yeah, the like between, I don't know which episodes, it was too boring and too long and not enough conflict and not enough character conflict and not, not plotted enough. And I think that caused, and some of the episodes are like, even the downloads reflect that. I mean, not all of them, but like one or two episodes are significantly lower. Well, not significantly, like a couple thousand lower where it's like people were, were like, well, I could skip that one. I missed it. Like it was on, like it was by a holiday. Um, and I don't know, those are just theories, but I, I honestly think, okay, like, uh, the, the show can be too boring or, or, or if I'm not engaged and I, I don't know, it's just, it's just like, how lucky am I though? Uh, to have this leeway and then say, okay, well, I can still make it, I can still fit it in the role of the podcast, but I can make it a little bit better next time. I can learn, but I also don't have to give up or quit or throw everything away because even in the middle of the season, I was kind of panicking. Like I said, it was also panicking in my regular life. Like, how am I going to make this? Path? I mean, I don't know. And I'm, I'm still in that place, but I'm like a little bit more, open and saying okay well let's just see how this goes but like uh for most of the past few months it's been really weighing on me i guess and i've been thinking about it a lot in that reflected the storytelling and the ability to uh to focus and and, and I don't know. So we'll see. I think this next season, this uh, we have it to get, you know, we, we'll, uh, we'll see what comes up. And I, I just, like, I'm, I really appreciate this opportunity because I have this whole sandbox, like, this idea I have for this next season. It'll actually, like, uh, intersect with something else we're going to be doing later on, which will allow them to complement each other as far as my learning process goes about these kind of stories. And it'll allow me to address issues in the podcast that are like between um, the interplay between personal conflicts and fictional story conflicts and growth and healing and adventure and characters that are intriguing and, and curiosity sparking. Along with the terribly fearing, inducing, but also exciting thing of like, geez, can I tell a story like this kind of story or not? And already this story also has some of the same issues as the last one. Like, uh, geez, will I have time to do that kind of story? Or if not, how will I compensate? Like, will I be able to put that kind of thing together in a week, uh, even if I focus and how will I do it? And the answer is, I don't know, but how lucky am I? So thank you so much. Uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, she's how lucky am I to be able to tell these stories? And, uh, you know, I have an audience, you know, there's some some audiences, uh, yes, some some of you are listening all the way through in here and all this, and some of you, you know, just bouncing off their ears, but it doesn't, to me, that really doesn't matter. That's like a popular question I get asked. And I think it comes back to this, you see that what I'm saying is like, how lucky am I that I get to provide the story? Like, I'm still the one telling the story and that it has the challenge of producing the story. So whether you're awake or asleep, I, I guess it, it, it uh, I guess it doesn't really matter because I still take it the same way. You know, it's like, OK, well, I want to do the best job I can and I want to learn from where we've come from. And, uh, you know, there really isn't like, a a way to break story or exactly how to structure it or exactly how to do it. It's like, for me, it's like, oh, is this, can can I get, can I get a decent structure this season is a good question, but there's no rules or it's like, well, I don't know what structure, how, what structure did that story follow? Okay, well, will that follow this one? Will they, did that have a structure? I don't know. It'll be like watching a lot of movies and TV shows and then saying, well, geez, will that work for me? Or, well, well would I do that? I don't know. And, and But uh, I don't know. Like, uh, so to, to be able to have to grapple with those problems is, like, uh, it's thrilling. It's absolutely thrilling. Uh, so thank you so much and uh, good night.